What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts, welcome to episode 140 of Me the St. Molly's. Today we're going back inside the vault. We're time traveling to the year 2016 to cover Chicago Fire's 100th episode, season 5, episode 8, titled 100. So, as always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. So, we took a week off last week, and that means we have a lot of news to catch up on, because obviously two weeks ago, what, two, yeah, two weeks ago were the season finales. So, um, there's been a lot of news since then, just kind of postmortems and little bits there. So, we have a lot to go through, and then we're just going to, like, jump into the iconic, historic, wonderful beautiful episode that was the 100th. So, all right, start with the news. Brian and I were just talking about how we took one week off and it's all of a sudden like we feel rusty. We're just like, how do we do this again? Yeah, for real. <laughs> I was like, how do I make an outline? How does this go? <laughs> yeah. oh, Chicago, what is this? <laughs> okay, so we're going to start off with the first bit of news. We got a deleted scene from Cruz's wedding. Mm, sweet little Love babies. It. I know. It's nothing earth shattering. All it is is a little cassette moment. Um, in the promo photos, there was a photo of Brett and Casey, and I think she was like wiping something from his face, right? Yeah, she like wiped something from his face, and it's just like literally the whole clip itself is like 30 seconds, and that's like half of it. But yeah, it's cute. It's cute. Yeah, Brett runs in, and Stella's got her priorities in check. She's like chugging champagne, like at a girl. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just a cute little sweet quick cassette moment. So, but yay deleted scenes, more of those, please. Yeah, especially from Fire. We never get ones from Fire. True story. I know. I mean, we we just sure. don't get them ever anymore. We used to get them occasionally, right? But they were always PD. Maybe True. occasionally Med, but always PD. Never mm -hmm. Fire. True. True. Yeah, more of those, please. Mm -hmm. More, please. Uh, in the first set of postmortems after the season finales, we have one from PD. So this one from TV Line says Chicago PD's boss on intelligence's new foe, Upstead separation, and the original season finale shocking spoiler. Okay, so what we're talking about here, you know, we got the quick glimpse of Haley and Jay on the phone in the finale. My heart. Um, there was a little bit of banter about them missing each other, which I did not catch it the first time, by the way. I thought she was just saying that she missed the win. I didn't catch the part where she was like, and you. Really, Gina? I die. I am 110% really? Upstead trash. That's the best part of the scene. I missed it. I don't know how I missed it, but I missed it. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I know. Crazy. I die. Just... Oh my God. And the reruns that have been happening, because like now that we're, you know, I'm I'm still in work from home mode, so I can tell you now where when PD airs and like on what network, what day. Uh, the last one I saw, I think it might have been Saturday and USA was showing season six. Yeah, season six. And me just seeing them with fresh eyes, I'm just like, you know, upstick aside, season six was good for Upstead. 
Yeah, I haven't gone back and watched season six yet. I've been, like, slowly, now that it's on Prime, well, the first five seasons of PD are on Prime, I've been rewatching. I own seasons one through three, but I don't own four and five. So I've been rewatching like, four and five. <laughs> four, man. Four is a lot. We'll get there eventually, I'm sure, this summer. But, like, five, I haven't, I like, I rewatched. The only one I've rewatched so far is 501, and, like, damn, that's a killer. I mean, 501's kind of tough to swallow, too. Oh, 501's really tough to swallow. So we're recording this on Wednesday, and on Wednesday, NBC aired, because it'll be past tense by this point, um, NBC aired 709 or 710 of PD. Fuck, I think it's 709. Uh, Basically, it's the mid-season finale. And we were just discussing before we started recording, we were like, that was not a fun episode, okay? That was stressful. And I feel like 501 might be in the same boat. Right. Well, yes, 501 was definitely stressful to relive it. It was nice to have, like, a couple years behind, like, in between the last time I watched it. And that's kind of how I felt about season four, too. Season four was definitely not my favorite season of PD, but I definitely look back on it a little bit more fondly now than I did, like, right after it aired. So I think I just need to give some time in between some of the episodes that are hard to swallow or seasons that are hard to swallow and be like, okay. Except cool. for Chicago Fire 404, I will never rewatch that episode. That is the forbidden episode on this podcast. <laughs> Part of me wants to make you rewatch it just so we can talk about it. I don't want to. It's the forbidden episode. <laughs> but, like, wouldn't that be a great episode to do, though? I am not kidding. For content purposes. I'm not for even content kidding you purposes. when I say that I almost quit the show in the middle of that episode. I almost quit the whole damn show. I'm not even kidding. Well, I'm glad you did it because we wouldn't be friends if that was the case. That's a true story. That's a true story. But still, I hate that episode. It makes me so mad. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it's even like stupid little things bug me about that episode. Will's not a surgeon. Why was he in the OR? Why didn't Antonio pop up until the very end? And when he did pop up, why didn't he say anything? And also don't make a character pregnant if you're not going to follow through with it. Ugh quarantine's killing y'all <laughs> i love it i love it ah. hashtag content <laughs> yes so anyway circling back to what we were discussing rick basically said that these two have really strong feelings for each other talking about jay and Haley. there's no question about it being apart from one another only served to reinforce what they both already knew that they are falling in love with each other We'd love to see it. We love it. My sweet little Upstead loving heart. (laughs) We've gotten a lot of tweets from listeners as well. That's been pretty amusing. Uh, A lot of people are listening to old episodes while we're kind of in this period of quarantine slash hiatus slash like mystery, whatever happening. And uh, a lot of people are tweeting us and they're like, I love how you guys were so anti Upstead at first. And now you just love them so much. And it's the total truth. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about, like, because now that we've been done, I mean, we've done three full seasons of these shows, and like to see our evolution with that. But like, hey, it's good storytelling. Oh, it, it's damn good storytelling. I'm, I'm if you can make yeah. us like oppose something from the beginning, or we were opposed to it from the beginning, and like make us come around to it, then like I think that's good storytelling. I agree. I agree. I think if Rojas was not the captain of the Upstead ship, I think we would be captains of the Upstead ship. No, Platt's up there, too. Okay. Yeah. Remember the J scene? Platt's up yeah. there, too. 
Well, Platt knows everything. Nothing gets by her. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. We're all up there together. We are all there together. Yes. So the other question that was asked of Rick that kind of had all of us like our ears were perking up and we almost kind of panicked. So he like basically they asked and they said, you know, is there anything you can share about what the original season finale would have looked like and how much of it will be incorporated into next season? So Rick said, we had an exciting season finale that will probably get pushed to episode four or five of next season. I can't really talk specifically about the episode other than to say someone we know is murdered. What? It's got to be Jordan, right? I mean, I don't want to say I hope so, but like, I that makes the most sense for it to be Jordan. But God, I mean, Kevin. I know. I know. And especially after this episode, like, damn. But, like, I think, too, that's why it makes the most sense that it's Jordan because of where this episode ended and kind of knowing that they were probably pushing an arc of, like, a Kevin arc leading into the finale. Like, that would make the most sense for it to be Jordan. Mm -hmm. Because also, isn't Jordan still technically in Chicago after whatever episode that was where he came back? He didn't go back to Texas, did he? No, I don't think so. Right. So, like, Jordan's around. Like, it would make the most sense. But, like, damn. That's going to suck if it is Jordan. It's really going to suck. I just, uh, I mean, the whole reason Kevin became a cop was to protect his brother and sister. But that's kind of the beautiful irony of it, right? It's not beautiful. And like, no, but you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the, the beautiful storytelling. I get what you're trying to say. I know. I'm just you know what I'm saying? Like, you know difficult. what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yes. But like, yeah. Yes. The beautiful irony of that is that like, yeah. Assuming that is what happens. We're just guessing, but like, I think that assuming that's what happens. I mean, if it's not Jordan, the only other person I could see it being would be Paul Adelstein's character. But we haven't seen him in a while, and I don't think that like really has anything to do with anything. Episode four or five of next season. So we're really going to start next season with just a huge target on Kevin's back. Yep. That's not, no. We wanted a love interest. We didn't want this. (laughs) I know. Also, yeah, remember when Rick said at the beginning of the season that Kevin was going to get a love interest this season? What happened to that? What happened to that? <laughs> Give Atwater a love interest 2020. I know. Resumes. We're just going to start every single year. We'll do this. I don't know. Um, did you see LaRoyce when he did his live with Emily? No, I missed it. So, friend of the pod, Emily Longaretta, she's been doing conversations with cast um she's been doing it three times a week with cast members from one chicago from fbi from svu the whole dick wolf universe and the one she did with LaRoyce, she basically asked him about you know kevin having a love interest and he was like you know who's to say kevin doesn't already have one off screen i mean maybe he's seeing somebody off screen and that's the case i'm like you know i could probably get behind that just to make myself feel better i could get behind it if he mentioned it all i need is a mention I don't need to see her. I don't necessarily need to even meet her. I just need to know that Kevin has somebody in his life. Yeah, we somebody in his life who is not Adam. You know, we just want to make sure he's happy and protected and, you know. A female friend. A female friend. Or male, if that's the way he chooses to go. Exactly. Exactly. We do not discriminate. We do not. No. No. So <laughs> that's the PD postmortem. Um, meanwhile, on fire, I feel like we had a little <laughs> bit of a bombshell dropped on us, didn't we? Uh, a little bombshell. Well, I guess little because it was maybe expected, but yeah. It was? Well, I guess based on the ending of the show, you could have guessed that, like, my guess was that she was going to leave and go to med. But, you know. 
Brian, will you take us through the next bit of news, please? Yeah. So again, front of the pod, Emily Longaretta over at Us Weekly um, dropped this news. Wasn't it the day after the finale aired? It was like a day or two. It was very quick. Right. So it's not, it's old news in terms of like this podcast, but like we also haven't recorded since this came out. Um, Basically, Annie Alonza is leaving Chicago Fire after two seasons. Um, What? Yeah. And I also was reminded too that like Otis dying was like in the season premiere because Emily wrote, she's like, Alonza's exit marks the second shocking departure of the season eight. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, Again. I guess it was surprising that, like, she's leaving the show, like, the universe completely and, like, never, never coming back. I mean, well, I guess never say never, but, like, leaving the universe completely. I really thought they were setting her up to go over to med. That would have been cool. She seemed to have, not chemistry, but, like, she and Will seemed to click. Right, especially because of how much they kind of showed Will being involved mm-hmm. in her, like, medical school stuff. Like, I just kind of assumed that that's where they were sending her. Which would have been cool because we've not, besides Jeff Clark, who makes an appearance in this episode that we're going to talk about, like, we've not really seen much of that, like, cast members going from one show over to the next show. I guess Antonio, um, which we always forget about the time he went to Justice, so that's why I forgot about it. But It's not that we forget, it's that we've um, chosen to, to erase it from memory. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I just thought that would have been cool because we don't really see a ton of that. But yeah, it's surprising for good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I mean, two seasons. Yeah, that's a long time. But also like we hardly knew you. I feel like we were still getting to know her. Oh, yeah, for sure. We did. I mean, we've never met like her family. We never we never got to really know Foster. I know. So that sucks. And also, I mean, poor Sylvie. She's just like going through medics. I know. I know she's going to just like go nuts over this. Yeah, um, but also if you want to bring back Peter Mills, not that he would ever come back for that long. I'm just saying Peter Mills forever. Uh, yeah, Peter Mills forever. I mean, the shark is still <laughs> on the dashboard, y'all. The shark is still on the dashboard. Oh my gosh, that's a t-shirt we should make with like the shark with and the it shark. should say Peter Mills forever. <laughs> yes. Oh goodness. Yeah. So this also <laughs> brings us into the next bit of news from ET Online. And they basically, they interviewed Derek and they said, Derek said that there will be, and I quote, cast shakeups in season nine. And this article, I want to say, dropped before the Annie news. And by before, I mean like by mere hours. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So some of the highlights of the questions that they asked Derek, they said, you know, does this accelerate any conversations with Severide about settling down in a more traditional way, referring to the cruise wedding? And Derek said, definitely. I know. It's so exciting. It was totally like in their eyes. Like they totally had like nonverbal communication going during the cruise wedding of just like, we should, we should do this. We'll talk about it, but comparing it to like where we are in the episode we're about to discuss, it's kind of crazy. Oh, it's so crazy. We hit, but we'll get there. It is so crazy. Yes. Uh, the other question was about Gallo and Violet. So Gallo and Violet, you know, they struggled to properly define their relationship. And by the end of the argument, Gallo was like, we should get married, which, I mean, that was hilarious. But things are left at a worse place than they began. So what will it take to get them on the same page and who is in the right? And so 
Derek basically said that Violet's in the right. Um, you know, Gallo's got too many people talking to him and kind of needs to get out of his own way. But unfortunately, he and Violet may not recover from this outburst. However, however, I feel like Annie's exit throws a wrench into everything. Yeah. Oh, that is who I really want to t- come to 51. Um, Violet for 51. We'll just start that campaign now. Like hashtag. Yeah, we're Violet getting for in front of that. We're getting in front of that. Like right now. Yeah, that is happening. That's happening. Violet for 51. Like hashtag Violet for 51. But like, honestly, Derek, if you don't give me more Gallo and Violet and don't like to have them not recover from this, I'll be so mad. Yeah. Yeah. Which really just means we'll give you grief next time you come on the podcast. But now you've got a whole year to prepare. So right. for the next time we see you. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. This fall. This fall. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Man. But yes, Violet for 51. Putting that into the universe. So another bit of news we got was from TV Line. Now we're going over to Med for their postmortem. So Andy and Diane did this interview with TV Line saying, you know, they hope for, they have, offer hope for Chexton, preview Crockett, and they preview Crockett and Natalie's deepening relationship. Bryna, please take it away. Yeah, so I thought what they said about Ethan and April were interesting because they basically say that, like, even though Ethan and April have yet to have a full discussion about what happened with Crockett, and I quote, the two of them care deeply about one another, so there's still the possibility of a romantic relationship between them. My glasses just fell off my face. That's how <laughs> exhausted I am with Ethan and April. I know. I'm so, I mean, like, based on the finale and, like, the way they reacted, yeah, that makes sense. Do I think that's healthy for them? Hell No. no. Hell no. I think they both need to be single for a little bit right now. Right. Season, fuck, what season will we be in in two seasons? What season is next season? Season six, six. Ahmed? Season six. So in season seven, Ahmed, after a whole year apart from each other, kind of like Will and Natalie, then maybe we can revisit this. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, exactly. Maybe. I feel like these two found themselves in such a bad spot this season that, I mean, this shit takes time. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to Jeff about this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that whole relationship just went from zero to 60 this year in terms of like fucked upness, which is not a word that it's a word I just made because I just feel like there's so much turmoil with them right now that this is not something that can be solved in like four episodes and then be like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry I missed you. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Is anyway. it me or are these two more exhausting than Manstead? Oh, a hundred percent. And Manstead isn't the exhausting of exhausted relationships. But even in April or worse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh did you see Nick's Instagram live with Emily? I've seen parts of them. There's so many of them, I can't keep track. That was like friend of the podception. I was like, oh, a friend of the pod is interviewing a friend of the pod. <laughs> like, hello, friends. I felt um, the same way when she interviewed um, Patty. And yeah. I was like, oh. Hi, friends. Yeah. Wave. Um, yeah, but in Nick's, he was basically, he was talking about Will and Hannah, and he kind of put an interesting spin on it. He was like, listen, I mean, if they're both what each other needs right now, and it's so far so good 
then there's no reason they shouldn't be together. And I was like, oh, I'm, okay. The way Nick frames that makes it make a lot of sense. And so I just, yeah, but the perspective you put on it, I was like, that's interesting. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Go on. Yeah. Sorry. I got um, excited. But Annie and Diane were also talking about Natalie and Crockett, um, which, you know, my faves right now, <laughs> my faves. Um, and she said, and it says, like, now that Natalie knows Crockett's secret, she, quote, has a deeper understanding of Crockett, and this will allow them to become much closer. Um, at first, it'll make him more closed off, but as their relationship deepens, he will open up to her. Huh. Here for this. I'm just kind of indifferent right now. I, I, I'm, I'm all for this. I'm riding the Natalie and Crockett ship right now. But there, there's also a part of me that feels like I should hate Crockett for the whole Ethan and April thing. But like Crockett didn't really do anything wrong. Aside. In the grand scheme of things, Crockett's part in it is actually very minuscule. Like, yes, he kissed April. Sure. Like she kissed him. I don't, I'd have to go back and like actually rewatch the scene to see like who was in the right and who was in the wrong. <laughs> yes, they kissed. Okay, cool. But like in the grand scheme of things, that is very minuscule. Yeah. Like, yeah, it happened. And like, maybe there was some flirtation. There was not maybe there was some flirtation between the two of them. But like, that is not even close to Ethan and April's issue. No, no. Like, I'm like, I, w- I want to really like him. I'm like gravitated towards that. But then my mind is just like, but I should really not like you. But like, there's no reason I should not like you. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I'll put it that way. I'm, I'm not aboard the ship yet. But I'm just like, all right, tell me more. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm waiting. You know, this will be interesting. So, we'll see. We will see. The last bit of news is from Give Me My Remote. Um we kind of got a double postmortem here. So this one is also from Chicago PD. Um Brian, will you take us through this one as well? Yes. Um what I really liked about this one was um she asked about the author asked about Persic, which was obviously very not it was absent from a lot of interviews with Brick, so mm-hmm. I liked that she asked about it. Um, and the question was, like, could Berzik be on the verge of reuniting after their own loss this year? And Rick said, I think the fallout from the miscarriage is pretty much over with, but their new relationship is just beginning. It will be different than it was previously, more mature, more complicated, but in the end, much stronger. I love that. I love it. I think that's 100% accurate. Yeah, 100%. And I think, too, like, even if it takes some time, like, I don't even need them to, like, I don't need them to be a thing right away. Like, obviously, they went through something very traumatic this year. And, you know, that's going to take, I understand why there's going to be, like, probably some hesitancy on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, I'm not saying I need them to be a couple right away, but, like, just be there for each other and, like, just to see scenes with them, more scenes with them. Like, that's all I really need. I think this definitely, like, solidified their bond. I mean, it was pretty damn solid to begin with, but I think this was, like, the thing that, like, really fortified it. Yeah, well, and I think, too, to see it on Burgess's side, Mm -hmm. which has been always kind of the idea of, like, Burgess needed, like, Patty, or, not Patty, Patty is, well, Patty has always said that, like, Ruzik has always loved her, but it's always been, like, does she, did she love him? Mm -hmm. And I think to see her kind of, I don't know if fight for him is the right word, but, like, to see her kind of, like, want to hang out with him and, like, after all this happened and, like, chase him, for lack of a better phrase, Mm -hmm. um, I think that, like you said, that kind of showed that, like, yeah, they're as rock solid as they can be right now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Um, and then he was also just teasing as like about what else is ahead. And he's like, we have a lot of exciting storylines planned for season eight, starting with the fallout stemming from Atwater's decision to tell the truth about Doyle. Um, he said, we're also really excited about digging deeper into Halston and Upton's relationship, both on a professional and professional and a romantic level. Yes. Um, we also, we also have interesting storylines planned for Burgess. She's had a miscarriage in season seven, but that doesn't mean her desire to be a mother has disappeared. Dot, dot, dot. So are we basically turning Kim into another Gabby just like three seasons later? I don't know. I'm not opposed to that, though. I mean, but we've already seen it. Not entirely. I don't know. But I think with Gabby, I don't know. I haven't formulated that thought enough. Also, I'll hold it for right now. I'll have to hold it. Yeah, I got to like compute that. Hmm. Hmm. interesting so, so that's about all we've got for the news as always you know the drill if you see anything just send it to us we really appreciate that you guys are so good at it um yeah it's a whole big internet out there and you know we're even though we're we're kind of quarantined and social distancing we're still pretty busy and by busy i mean i'm literally just like working from home and then playing animal crossing until like midnight <laughs> accurate um, it's the best game but yeah um if you see anything just send it over to us but Without further ado, I think it's time to move into the episode. What do you think? I'm ready. Oh my goodness, this episode. Just, oh. Okay, what I do remember about this episode is that I, I considered it like a birthday present to myself because this episode aired on December 8th of 2016. My birthday is December 7th. So I was just like, happy birthday to me. This is the best. I got a Dossie wedding for my 30th. Like, hell yes. I remember that. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was fun. If it was, was it the 8th or was it the 6th? It was either way. It was either the day before or the day after my birthday. But yeah, that was great. So uh, this episode was so good. Like, I feel like this episode was just even better upon rewatching it the second time. Well, I think, too, now that we've been through PD's 100th and Med's 100th, which is kind of crazy to think about, that, like, we've been through both of those since this has happened. Um, yeah, I think this is, like, this is truly the perfect 100th episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100% perfect. Um, and I think it, like, represents fire. Like, it is the best of fire. Oh, yeah. When, yeah, this uh, this is just the epitome of fire. This, yeah, sums them up perfectly. So we start the episode and Gabby and Matt are getting ready for the day. And basically what had just happened the episode before this was that Gabby's parents announced that they were getting divorced. So, you know, basically Gabby's just kind of like, what does it mean? I don't understand. Like, this is ridiculous. You know, they always said that they were the ones who were going to make it. And this is ridiculous. And so... Matt comes over and is just like, you know, Gabby, like whatever your parents did or didn't do, none of it affects us. And just the little things of how they interact, just the way that he approaches her, just the way he puts his hands on her shoulders. Like, it is quite clear. I feel like Gabby was the love of his life. Yeah, when Dossie was good, they were good. When they were bad, they were not good. No, but I this episode drives it home, especially that like, if you ask me if these two are soulmates, I am inclined to say yes. So I, I'd agree. I, I'd agree. I think Gabby is definitely like the love of Matt's life. But where does that mean, though? Like, because obviously you're very you're big on the cassette train. And not to bring everything back to that. But like, I'm just curious then, like, how do you feel, though, about like 
do you think Matt's actually going to be able to move on? Because we haven't really seen it. Like, we've kind of seen it a little bit here and there, but nothing ever really going there yet. This episode reminded me that I, I, I feel like I still kind of question it. Like, do I want Casey and Brett to happen? Yeah, I do. But also... I could definitely see the time come, like the time, I could see the time come when we're asking the question of, okay, but are these two endgame? And the answer, just the, the instinctual answer, just being like, not really. Yeah, I think it depends too on a lot of like what actually happens when they do get together. Cause I think we all kind of know that it's probably going to happen at this point. Yeah. So like, I think it's a lot of like how their relationship actually unfolds. But yeah, I think it, I definitely think this was a good reminder of, like, when Dossie was good, it was good. Mm-hmm. Like, season six was not a good Dossie season, um, or at least the back half of Dossie, or the back half of the season, not a good Dossie season. And so I think sometimes it's hard to remember that. But, like, when Dossie was good, they were good. I think that Casey and Brett are going to come out of this whole cassette thing. Casey's going to come out of cassette realizing that he cannot love another person the way he loved Gabby. Or that he yeah. probably won't love another person that way again. Yeah, but then, I don't know. I'm not going to get into the whole, like, comparing Gabby and Brett, because we've done that before. No, but, we're like, not comparing And them. this is not the episode to do that. No. But, so I'll refrain. But, yeah, I think it is a definitely an interesting choice, though, because, like, like I said, it, this was definitely a good reminder of, like, what Dossie was. Yeah. Yeah, this is prime, prime Dossie. So... Gabby's venting and then Matt's just like hey look and we pan over and I forgot how absolutely precious little Louie was I know me too just what those like eyes bean I know the eyes the eyes yeah and just like the face and I just wanted to like cuddle him oh my goodness so um Matt's just like yeah go ahead in the kitchen I'll be right there and Louie just looks at him and is like okay Matt and Casey's like the what what wouldn't have just happened so while louis having a cereal casey notices a strange man outside the window and then the guy just disappears so at the firehouse tina from dcfs shows up and she actually has good news so there is a fast track process if they want to adopt louis but the court will look at gabby as a single parent um so gabby and matt are filling out the paperwork and she's just like you know i don't really care what the form says like we're his parents as soon as the state grants it to us and so matt just says he's like i don't want us to be mom and matt to louie i want us to be mom and dad and so is matt still an alderman at this point mm-hmm. yeah um i do love that anytime something happens and matt's just like i have this contact he's just like walking a dress book <laughs> i love it Alderman Casey, man. What yeah. a what a time. What a time period in Chicago Fire. True what story. A time. Yes, yes. True story. Um, so Matt's just like, I know someone, because of course he does. And he said that he'll talk to a judge to see what their options are. So um, outside the firehouse, the random guy is there again. And when Matt tries to say something, the guy just gets in his car and drives away. So, so... Matt talks to the judge and he just says, he's like, listen, like, I know you, but the court doesn't. Which, like, I didn't realize until now in this episode how judgy the court system was of those two. How they were like, but you're not married. Okay, but that's none of your business. 
Right. But to them, like, it's not any different than saying, like, that couple over there who's not married, you know, and they might be terrible parents, but, like, it's not any different. No, true, true. On paper. On paper, at least. Yeah. And, I mean, in this case, it is their business because the court's obviously in charge of Louis' well-being. But still, like, stop judging Casey and Gabby for not getting married. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So... Matt basically agrees to let Gabby put her name down on the forms and he just kind of is like, I'll, you know, he'll be, he just basically says that he'll be Louis's dad in every single other sense of the word. And so, you know, he just says the important thing is that Louis's place here is permanent. So, um, Matt goes into Louis's room later. Louis can't sleep. He's just the cutest. Oh my goodness. Um, and there's this moment between them that is, I feel like it was, it felt a little forced. Not to be like Debbie Downer, but which what what moment? This moment? Yeah, when he's talking to Louie, I'm like, dude, he's like four. He he I don't think he's catching everything you're saying. I think in the beginning, like when he first walks into the room, I can kind of see where you see that. But like something about the way Casey talks about like when Casey says this whole thing about how like, you know how much I love you, right? Like you mean the world to me, and I think it's important that you know, like, no matter what anybody ever says or what anyone else might call me, like I will always be your dad. Like that word means everything. Like that I was like, Oh my God, all the feels. But I can see what you mean. Like but I think that's also just partly too, that's just Casey. And Casey is not as much as we love Casey and I think Casey would be a great dad, Casey is not severed. And I feel like it's not necessarily as, like, outright and natural with him and kids. Like, it is just with Severide. It's pretty damn natural with Severide. Right. Whereas at Casey, I think it's still, like, trying to find his bearings as a dad. Especially because, like, this isn't a newborn. It's not something he's, like, he was kind of thrown into it. Right. 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 So. So, later on at Molly's... Uh, you know, Casey and Stella, they get Louie from Cindy and Louie just basically looks at Casey and calls him daddy. And it's just so cute. And just, yeah. 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 Just how he looks at Gabby and he's like, did he just, and she's like, yeah, daddy, he did. I'm like, "Mm, mm." I know the best. Those two just like, I mean, it's obvious how much they wanted kids, but those two loved Louie so much. It is so evident how much they love that. So much. Yeah, I haven't gone back and really watched any of these, like, I've been kind of going back and rewatching like, parts of Fire Season 5, too, because I don't own Season 5, and, like, now that it's on IMDb TV, I've been, like, rewatching some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I haven't really watched a ton of the Luby stuff back in a while, but, like, yeah, it's, it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's definitely there. So during Herman's epic speech, because it's so good, Gabby and Matt just give each other a look. And I love this so much that they basically just had this conversation with their eyes. And yet, like, fully, we we understood every word of it. Like, they were just looking at each other. And I think all of us were just like, oh, okay, he just asked her if she wants to get married. And she just said yes. Like. Literally, only them. Only them understood, like. That's that. That's how. That's the threshold. Like, yeah, sure, Upstead, you're cute, but are you have a conversation with your eyes and get away with it? Look cute, right? And not even just have a conversation with your eyes, but like have a conversation about getting married with your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it'd be entirely understandable. Yeah, yeah. That's like the hallmark of a good ship is if you can have a conversation with your eyes and the audience know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they very quietly leave to go to the courthouse. Thank God Sylvie sees them. Um, 
they basically are just like standing there with Louie and the judge and Sylvie's like, yeah, you didn't think you could do this without the Firehouse family, right? And everybody shows up and it's so perfect. I know. The image of all of them in that half circle with their arms locked in the shot from above. Literally like one of my favorite images from Chicago Fire of all time. The squad goals. It just kills me. It's amazing. And Antonio. But yeah. <laughs> and Antonio. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, when Antonio comes in, he's like, yeah, like you two are going to go the distance. Like you're going to prove mom and dad wrong. And that aged well. That was so cringy looking back now. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, in the moment, yes, I, I think everyone was like, yeah, for sure. And like, but then obviously Monica chose to leave, which, you know, her choice that we're all support her. Can't wait to watch Hightown. But yeah, did not age well. Did not age well. Nope, 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 nope. So yeah. Uh, but that image. Yes, I know. I'm just like, oh, put that image of everybody on my tombstone because that is spectacular. It's the best. Even and I even rewatching it, like I still like got teary. I was like, Ugh! and I was like, you've already seen this, Gina. Pull it together. But right, still. that was four years ago, Gina. Almost four, three and a half years ago. But still, I was like, mm, this is so cute. <laughs> <sighs> I know. So, um, it's just the whole thing is perfect. It's just all perfect. Perfect. Yep. So um, we did ask everybody for their memories of, you know, the 100th episode, what they thought, their opinions. We did get one. Uh, we got a DM from a user who goes by Big Old Goofy World. Hey, that's accurate. Um, and just said, you know, I love this episode, but not the wedding. It didn't make sense why Casey would want to get married, even for the sake of Louie, when he and Dawson had never settled any of their issues. Issues that were carried over to season six and ended with Dawson in Puerto Rico. That's a good point. I'd have to go back and, like, really watch and pay attention. But did those issues happen after this, though? Because didn't a lot of those issues come from, like, giving up Louie? Or at least, like, at the current time? I think so. Because I'm trying to think back to the problems they had pre-wedding. And I think it was mostly just the communication issues that we've discussed at length. Yeah. Because, like, my issue, like, here's the thing. It's, like, I think it's easier to look back in hindsight and be, like, yeah, they probably shouldn't have gotten married without talking about, the, you know. Like, they really probably shouldn't have gotten married at that moment. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the moment and, like, you know, up in the first four and a half seasons, like, this was perfect. And I thought it made total sense that they would get married at this moment, blah, 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 for Louie, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's easy to look back and be like, mm, maybe they shouldn't have gotten married at that moment without doing a little more talking. Yeah, but like I couldn't see Gabby and Matt having the same type of wedding Chloe and Joe had. Right. No, me either. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's easier to look back in hindsight and be like, yeah, maybe this was not the moment. But like for the moment and for the episode and like up until that point in fire history, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't think it takes away like. The way Dossie ended, I don't think it takes away from this moment. And I think that's why we wanted to do this episode and why we put it as an option is because, like, we've never talked about it, A. But also, B, like, this is just such an iconic moment in fire history. And I think it really, like we said, like, it really, this whole episode sums up what Chicago Fire is about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So good. So. Yes. So the whole Dossie thing, it basically ends with Dossie and Louie and they yeah, they basically return home and they see the man that Casey has been seeing. He appears again and it turns out that it's Louie's father. So way to ruin the wedding night, dude. And But actually, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. 
So moving into Severide. Holy good God, this episode was amazing for Severide Eyes. I mean, I have to mention it, right? Like, I Is it really a podcast episode if I don't gush over the Severide Eyes? Yeah. It's also just so interesting, though, like looking back on it, like how much of a defining moment this is for like the Severide that we know now. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, like, obviously you didn't know it at the time, and it's so interesting to look back. So, like, I remember writing a thing for Talk Nerdy with us. I guess, like, maybe that January, so if this aired in December, like, that January, maybe, like, an episode or two into the Anna stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, writing this whole thing about how, like, I hate the Circle of Severide and blah, 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 and if this is just another Circle of Severide and how, you know, like, that whole spiel that we've gone through again 10 million times, especially in the beginning of the, this podcast. Yeah. Um. But, like, looking back on it, it's just so funny to me that, like, that's not what it was at all. And, like, how much Anna impacted Severide's life and was an important part of who Severide is now. And, like, it's just, like, so funny to me that, like, we assumed it was just going to be another circle. And it definitely wasn't. No, it definitely – this was, like, the circle to end all circles. Right. And it was funny looking back. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I was so wrong. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, just yeah. And the very first scene of this episode is a a random woman just like storming out of Kelly's apartment. And she's just like, I thought you had a job and like you're disgracing a noble profession. And he's like, no, but I'm a firefighter. And like she slams the door and leaves. And yeah, yeah, just like it's two different Kellys. The Kelly we see in this episode versus the Kelly we have now are two different people. Right. And this episode is like the turning point. Like this is it. Yeah. Big time. Big time. So Squad and Ambo, they get called to a house where somebody heard an explosion. And this is just where, you know, genius Severide comes into play. Uh, I know in the past we've mentioned we're like, you know, how we, we always come back to like Severide being an Avenger just because, I mean, he's he's a superhero, you know. Uh, but you've said in the past he's Captain America, right? I don't remember what I said. I think so. Why not Iron Man? And this is me saying this, having only seen the first movie. Here's my reasoning. Here's my reasoning. (laughs) Not actually seeing Captain America either. um, No, I haven't seen Captain America at all. But my only reasoning is that Tony Stark is like really intelligent, right? And he's really crafty and he knows these metals and he knows these intricacies about, you know, welding and all that stuff. Severide's a freaking genius. I mean, he just is talking about the guy. He's like, you've got butane. You're basically putting it in your freezer and making it a bomb. Here's the thing, though. I don't dispute that Severide is a genius, but he's definitely not a genius like Tony Stark. Like, I don't think Severide is necessarily, like, he's not, like, book smart, right? Well, I mean, he is a little bit, but, like, he's not, like, what you think of when you think of, like, book smart. Tony Stark is, like, you know, the physics and the meta, you know, like, the science and the all the shit that I don't even know. Like, you know, that is Tony Stark smart. Severide is smart and, like, freaking genius, but, like, definitely more when it comes to, like, comments and stuff and firefighting and like whatever like i don't severite's not gonna go out there and like kill it on jeopardy whereas like tony stark would i think the reason i think he's captain america assuming that's what i said (laughs) is that i don't remember if i said that but here's my reasoning now for why severite should be captain america Um, (laughs) is that like i don't know captain america obviously is just kind of like the poster boy for like the avenger you know like he is, like, the all-American boy, or, like, was back then, and, like, he is definitely, obviously, he doesn't necessarily have superpowers, but, like, he was enhanced. I don't know, like, I just think of Severide as, like, maybe 
the poster boy for CFD and like it fits in more of that realm and to me that kind of more aligns with Captain America I'd really have to like lay out my bullet points but I could get there probably I think all we've learned from this discussion is that I really need to get back on my Marvel movie binge and yeah please watch Captain America my favorite please I know I know I just like I stopped for a little bit and then I started Iron Man 2 the other day and then I was just kind of like I don't know I don't know what to watch right now I, don't know. I know, which is why I ended up watching 911, but we'll, that's a different podcast. I'm we'll so proud of you. I just want to say that on the pod for everyone to hear. We're getting there, guys. It's it's coming. There's a We're going to do an episode on the other first responder shows. shows. Yeah. It has taken me a long, long time to convince Bryna to watch 911, but it has happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It but, happened. Anyway. Yeah. I, anyway, back to Severin. <laughs> So this guy was basically cooking hash oil in his apartment. And basically, I think you have to use butane to extract the hash oil. Of course, Severide knows these things because Severide's a freaking genius. Uh, But it turns out when that happens, it's a combustible material. So if you store butane in a freezer or something like that, it's only a matter of time before it explodes. So it does explode. And... Casey gets, or not Casey, Severide. Mm. Um, Severide gets like a nasty burn on his neck, but that's about it. Um, So later on, Severide goes into Casey's quarters in like a total bro moment. It's so good. Like Casey's just in the zone and Severide doesn't say anything. He just walks in and he just lays on Casey's bed and is just like, boy time. I literally love this so much. Yeah. It's so perfect. love this so much and I love them and it just kind of makes me sad that we did get like a ton of Casey and Severide in season eight and I'm like Derek let's get on it I need my cigar chat episode 901 thank you very much (laughs) yes please yes please co-sign that yeah so Sev lays down on Casey's bed and he just sits there and he's like what am I doing and Casey's just like oh you're here cool yeah (laughs) but you know, Severide just basically tells the whole story. He's like, listen, I had a lot of fun with a girl last night. I didn't remember her name. I went through her purse to see if I could find her, like, find her license. Kelly. It's so se- classic Severide, but, like, pre-season, pre-this Severide. It's also Not current cringy, Severide. though. Like, if you find, if you see a guy going through your purse, I mean, that's, that is not, no, that, I, my instinct would be to right. get the fuck out, too. Right, but it's just, like, it's just wild. Like, again, it just reminds me how far we've come with Severide. Because, like, I can't imagine, like, current Severide would never even think about doing this shit. But, like, Severide up until this point, like, yeah, kind of aligns perfectly with what Severide would do. Yeah, it does. It does. But, you know, he's basically, like, and he and Casey are laughing about it, too. So I'm just over here, like, Casey, stop encouraging him. Just, like, stop that. (laughs) But, yeah, they just kind of laugh about that. But then Severide just says something. He's like, you know what I felt when that freezer, like, exploded in my face today? And he just looks at Casey, and he's just like, I felt nothing. Which I I found interesting. It kind of brought up an interesting question to me. You remember how we talked a couple weeks ago, and you, you had asked me, you were like, you know, do you think Haley goes to therapy? When I'm thinking, do you think, do you think Severide is maybe clinically depressed? At this point or still currently? Um, I just, yeah, in, in, in general, like in, in his life, like. Maybe, probably. 
I could see it because when he spirals, he he spirals hard. Yeah, luckily we haven't had a spiral in a while. Knock on wood. Um, it's a good point. I've never really thought about it, but I could see it. The whole thing that he just he felt nothing. I was like, oh, okay, that just kind of like the light bulb yeah. went off in my head. I could see it. What I think too. I mean, we'll get to the in a part of this, I think at the end, but like, I think too, him saying that line, I didn't necessarily think about it in like a clinical depression way, but I think I just saw this and I was like, wow, like, I think it just really reminded me like the journey he's about to go on, like through, you know, being there for Anna and helping Anna and whatever, like how much that meant to him and how, like how much purpose that gave him. And it Mm -hmm. kind of just like reinvigorated his like passion for life, I think. Um, and I was just like, wow, like, and again, I think that in hindsight, I was like, wow, like Anna really like changed his life. Like we always say, like, I don't think Anna is the love of his life. I think she is an important love of his life, but she's not the love of his life. But like, I think it just like all this, I'm like, wow, like Anna was great. And I really, she was, that was a tragic, tragic death. And I'm not ready to talk about that episode. You know, we're going to have to cover that at some point. I know it's on the list, but I know probably over this longer than we'd like to admit hiatus. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. get there one day, but yeah, this yeah. is yeah. Oof, oof, yeah. So Casey's like, let's take a boys' trip. Let's go somewhere and go fishing. And just precious bro time, whatever. So Severide's neck is like bad. It's like blistering. It's it's burned. It's not pretty, and it looks like it hurts like hell. But Severide's trying to be all like stubborn about it. But he goes to med to get checked out, and hey, it's Clark. Hi, Clark. Hi, Clark. Long time to see. How's it going? <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. And so kind of, it feels like it's out of the blue, right? Clark's just like, hey, are you in the bone marrow registry? And Sev's like, I was once. Hmm? I uh, think so. Yeah. So Sev's like, I'll wait. I'm about to go in for a little, like, you know, I'll, I'll do it another time. So Clark later comes by 51 and he just mentions, he's like, listen, you know, Benny once mentioned that you guys are from this, like, super random region of Norway. And Seb's like, yeah. Um, And he just mentions that, you know, there's a girl at Med who has leukemia and her family is from that same region and she can't find a match. Um, I was just going to ask you something and I can't. Oh, I remember. Um, Benny was still alive at this point, right? Yeah. Benny dies in seven. Season seven. Or six. No, I think it was last season. Not the first season we did the podcast, but the second season. Okay, yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So, yes, Benny is definitely still alive at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, Clark is just kind of like, yeah, so you might be a match for this girl. And Sev's like, okay, like, I'll do it when I get back. And he's like, no, like, she's she's on the clock. Like, she doesn't have a lot of time. So... You know, Dossie gets married. It's adorable. And Sev just kind of has this moment to hang back and just be like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Um, and his whole thing ends with he goes to he goes to Clark and Clark is like, let me show you, you know, what's going on. And he, he shows her Anna and he's just like, yeah, she needs you, which. Yeah. It's just... Well, that's kind of the moment, too, when I, like, again, kind of tying all this together. Mm-hmm. Like, I forgot that this moment existed. Um, 
And so, like, seeing that moment, I was like, wow, like, Clark showing him the woman who, again, not necessarily that Anna is the love of his life, because I don't agree with that statement. But, like, wow, like, let me show you, like, the woman who's going to change your life. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think she's the love of his life, but I think she she had a purpose. And her purpose was to kind of turn Kelly into the man he is now. Right, like, but yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, show, let me show you the woman who's literally going to change your life. Mm-hmm. In more than his ways than one. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I'll, I fucking love Anna. <laughs> Makes me so sad. Anna's pretty great. Yeah. So, you know, Clark just says, he's like, she needs you. And then he explains, he's like, bone marrow donation, like it hurts like hell. And Kelly just looks and he's like, good. Yeah. So the episode where he donates bone marrow too, he does it while he's injured, which is such a Kelly move. Yeah. And he goes through the whole thing and fight. I recently rewatched that one. Um, but, like, he goes through the whole fight with Goodwin, too, about, like, not wanting to be on anesthesia because he can't be since he got injured and blah, 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 and, like, literally does it without anything. It's kind of impressive. And, like, it's I mean, not, not a casual really injury. He literally jumped off a building. Yeah, and, like, flipped a disc or something, I think. Something like that. He's just a Kelly. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Kelly. So, Anna, I know. We're going to have to take a deep dive on Anna. We have to. I know. I really want to cover that episode where she dies because I feel like that's like a good episode to cover. But you just said you didn't want to. Yeah, I know, but we should. It's for gonna... the content, Gina. For the content. For the content. Should. I know. <laughs> I know. We're both like just going to cry. I know. It's going to be one of those episodes where it just hurts so good, right? Hurts so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we also had Otis and Molly's. Oh my God, poor smell for Otis. I can't see him without getting sad. And anytime I see him now, I'm like, Otis. Like, we hardly knew you. So Otis and Molly's had a really good story here. So Bryna, will you take us through this? Yes. So basically, Molly's has been dead for the last little bit, which... It goes through its ups and flows, and this is just, you know, one of Molly's dead periods. Yep. But, you know, they're struggling a little bit. So Otis comes up with this idea. It's, as it turns out, Molly's, or I'll say the building as Molly's, because, like, you know, it was something pre-Molly's. Mm-hmm. So the building's 100th anniversary. So Otis is like, we should do, like, a, this big blowout party, you know, spend a little money, make a lot more money, you know, that kind of thing. So Otis... Gets Casey to call in a favor at the Sun Times because you know he's still an alderman. He has these connections, um, and they agree to cover the story. So this reporter named Dee she shows up to Molly's to report on the story, and she's like, "I'm almost done. I just kind of want to quote from you, Brian." And it, this is just a funny moment that I loved so much. Herman's like, "I'll make you whatever your heart desires," and Dee's like, "I don't drink Baptist," and Herman's like, "What?" Oh, okay. I just, I love that moment. I don't He's know why. So and judgy. I guess I yeah, so judgy. And I, guess I don't think I really realized that Baptists don't drink. <laughs> until I this didn't moment. know that either. You learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. But apparently. Anyway. And so she starts asking, though, instead of being like, what does this mean to you? Or, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. Where did the idea come from? You know, like all those kinds of questions. She's like, so what about gun violence in the city of Chicago? And Otis is like, the fuck? (laughs) And she, like, gets a quote. She gets, like, a no comment kind of quote from him. And then she leaves. And then Otis goes to flicks it up. And apparently Molly's, and again, like, the building, 
was home to the Walcott Pub. I'm assuming I'm saying that right. Walcott Pub Massacre. And, like, Al Capone was tied in there, too. Like, basically just, like, a blot of... A lot of bloody crime happened at this place. <laughs> and that's what they're choosing to run with, especially like the idea of them celebrating the history of this place when it's like home to so much violence. And Herman's just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And he literally says, he's like, the place is cursed. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? So the article comes out in the Sun Times and it's not good, like, at all. Like, literally, this is the exact quote from the article word for word. And what this anniversary party says about Chicago is perhaps the saddest epigram of all. The city of broad shoulders is starting to reek like a bloated corpse. <laughs> like, it's not good. What's the part when Stella's like, what's an epigram anyway? Yeah, she's like, she's like, nobody knows what an epigram is anyway. <laughs> um, which is true. I don't know what an epigram is. Yeah, I don't either. We didn't Google it. We probably won't. I'm about to Google it right now. That's exactly <laughs> epigram what is an epigram <laughs> hold on a pithy saying or remark expressing an idea in a clever and amusing way okay anyway <laughs> so um where was i oh yeah so herman's like i think we should cancel the party and otis is like but i already put five thousand dollars in it so like no and stella's kind of on otis's side she's like i don't think we should necessarily like cancel the party um and herman she tells herman she's like herman people are never gonna are gonna see through that article and herman's like never underestimate the inability of common man kid and she's like you don't even believe that (laughs) this is just like a classic herman episode like so good yeah um but so they all go out on this big call at the end of the episode and when that clears up herman gets a text from sydney saying like you guys need to come to molly's asap and herman somehow convinces Casey and Severi to go to Molly's in the middle of a shift and just kind of like give the rings to other people. I thought that was so kind of bizarre, but like, okay, cool. I'm not going to question it. Yeah. Uh, and as it turns out, Molly's was put on a crime tour. So like a bunch of people are there waiting outside, ready to drink. I love it. I love it so much. And so Herman, of course, like turns it around. He's like, oh, people wanting to spend money? Cool. Like, I'll participate. Um, and yeah so herman makes this epic speech at the party and he says you know like again this is kind of like the epitome of fire right here he's like you know there was just a neighborhood of hardworking people who needed a place filled with family that's what this building's about like molly's foundation is built on love Mm. and i just warms my heart that's so perfect yeah it really is it's so perfect Uh, but yeah and that's kind of the episode it's the hundredth it's just so yeah good it's so good. So um, we had a couple random thoughts as, you know, of course, that of course you're going to have random thoughts and feels of the 100th episode. That was just like so wonderful. But um, something I forgot when um, when Bowden tells Sev to go ahead and go to med, he and Tony and Cap are playing Scrabble and Cap plays the word grab ass, which it's hilarious. I don't know why. It's just really funny. It's like Cap, man. Just Cap. I, I don't know why that's so funny, but it is so funny. Um, also, I was totally amused when um, Gabby and Brett got the call about the guy dressed as a clown, um, which they didn't realize until like they turned him over and everything. But I totally forgot that that was that that was the time when people were randomly like dressing as clowns in parks to like scare the crap out of people. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know, but I just, it's always fun to kind of go back with these episodes and then just be like, oh, this was when that was happening in the world. Yeah. Um, some random notes I had from this episode. Okay, so the second accident scene mm-hmm. where the guy's head goes through the glass. Yeah. Legit have never heard Tony speak as much as he did in that scene. Like, there is so much Tony speaking, and it's amazing. It's pretty I don't amazing. know. I just, I love, especially now at, after having had, like, a big cap episode, like, going back through these, I'm like, it's just something I'm noticing. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, there's a lot of Tony in this, or there's a lot of cap in this. Cool. Um, yeah. And it's also, easy. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just gonna move on. So go ahead. The it's it's interesting to or it's easy to it's easy to kind of lose the perspective of that second call. I mean, that is on a grand scale. It's, you know, a sweeping shot. It's a huge accident in the middle of downtown Chicago. And I mean, there's like super sweeping shots from, you know, one end to the other. And so it's such a quick call. But also, I mean, look at all the stuff they did to set that up and shoot it and things like that. I mean, the certain calls take, you know, four or five days to shoot. So right. It's impressive. It kind of goes off our conversation we were having, like, pre-recording about the differences between, like, 911 and, like, Station 19 and Fire, which we'll talk about when we do that episode, I promise. Yeah. So I'm very excited to do that episode now. But, yeah, so it was just interesting. Um, but, yeah, you bring up that point because, yeah, this call is very grand scheme and, like, we don't see anything like that on some of these other shows. No. So, so it's cool. Um, yeah. Also, Bretonio. <gasps> We got, like, one tiny little moment, but, like, and, again, I'm all in on cassette right now, like, all in, but, like, damn, do I miss Bretonio. Yeah. When they were good and they gave us Bretonio, it was good. The problem was they just didn't give us enough of it, and, like, it'd be, like, a year between scenes, and it'd be like, oh, okay. Well, it's just funny, because I remember when they were first, like, hey, this relationship is coming, and everybody was like, huh? And the main explanation was that they were just like, listen, like Kara and John have chemistry. You've just got to trust us on this one. And that's absolutely 100% what it was. Kara and John just had chemistry. Yeah, which is ironic, though, because like being in their meet and greet, like once they warmed up, like, yeah, you could see it. But like they were so awkward to begin with, (laughs) like so awkward. And I was like, why are we doing that? Like that that is just kind of weird pairing. And then they warmed up and it was fine. But it was like, oh. In the beginning, I was like, oh, okay, I guess they can really act their asses off. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, Bretonio. <sighs> um, we also had um, a tweet from one of our listeners, Adam. He sent us a tweet and just said, you know, it really felt like a celebration for the fans as one of the stories was to celebrate Molly's 100th birthday. It's a classic fire episode that knows what to give us and knows when to take it away. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just all, all around it's, it's just perfect such a solid episode so solid did Derek write this I'm assuming he did he probably did um yeah he probably did I feel like that's a safe bet but yeah, yeah. so any other notes on the hundredth no again just solid solid I'm glad we finally covered this so I like when I was going back through and making a list I was like I just kind of assumed we had covered this before but then I was like oh wait we've never covered the hundredth yeah. Kind of wild. That is kind of wild. We started the podcast the season after. Yeah, this is my first season watching live. Yeah. Season five. <laughs> so that's crazy. Well, 
that's about all we've got for this episode. Um, as always, you guys know where to find us. We are around Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's me to some mollies right across the board. But again, you guys know these things. So um, if you like the show, which we really, really hope that you do, because you've made it all the way to the end. Um, hopefully you didn't hate listen. But <laughs> if you could please take a moment to leave us a, ra- a rating and review on iTunes, we would really, really appreciate that. Um, Peacock is coming in July. And when that happens, we will have a lot of new shyhards. So we can grow the family. Yeah. Just think like one of us, one of us. So, <laughs> so yeah, if you could take a moment to do that, that would be so great because it does help other shy hearts find the pod. So um, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K 13. Um, we've got a tea public store. It's the link is in our bio on all of our social media pages. Um, normal schedule going forward forward i mean what's normal anymore though right uh but yeah if you have any ideas for episodes let us know um we're gonna do old episodes but we're also going to cover a couple of other things we're going to talk about some other shows that we watch because we love tv um but yeah that's that's about it so um in the meantime you know everybody stay safe wash your hands practice social distancing wear a mask if you go out you know just take all the proper precautions we love you guys we want you safe so um everyone have a good weekend Check on your friends, ask how they are, and we will see you next week. Bye.